Good morning, everyone. It's always an honor to be able to share God's Word, and it's a great honor to be here at Grace Bible Church in Gainesville, and I suppose you're wondering who I am. My name is Keith Kemp, and uh, I met Brandon in seminary a few years back, and I just want to thank you on behalf of myself and my wife to all of you for making us feel so welcomed here. And just a little background about me before we dive in. Uh, My wife and I, Jenny, uh, we moved to Los Angeles from Minnesota to attend Master's Seminary. And uh, (laughs) I thought it was going to be a a quick three-year little adventure that we'd be in L.A. and, and we'd get through seminary and then head back to Minnesota. But the Lord had other plans, and seminary was much harder than I thought. And we always, that's why we're very thankful for Brandon and Angie, because they were such a blessing for us and a big encouragement to us. And so we're always thankful for that his, we're thankful that his surgery went well and that he's recovering. That's a blessing. And in the last two years of my struggle through seminary at Master's, I was asked to come serve in a small little church in the Selmar area, just north of Los Angeles, pastored by a man named Mark Rodriguez, who was my wife's boss at the time, and he became a very good friend in his wife and their family. And so I served as an associate pastor there for a few years, and then in 2020, Pastor Mark went home to be with the Lord. He passed away, and so for the last year and a half, I I had been serving as the senior pastor of that church, but there were some struggles, and after much prayer, uh, I stepped down in March from that role, and now Jenny and I are, we're praying for what's next, what's the next chapter in our life, and uh, as God is always shaping and molding us, as we never know what He has next for us, but like I said, it's an honor to be here visiting with you all and sharing God's Word, and today we'll be looking at Genesis chapter 1, and verses 26 through 28. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to grab them and turn with me to the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 1, and verses 26 through 28. What we'll do is we'll read it, we'll pray, and then we'll dive in. And so if you're able, I invite you to stand, and let's read Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 through 28. Genesis chapter 1, starting at verse 26, and I'm using the Legacy Standard Bible. And God's Word says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness, so that they will have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over all the, every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And God created man in His own image. In the image of God, He created him, male and female, He created them. God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth, subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over every living thing that creeps on the earth. And there ends the reading of God's holy word. You may be seated. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for your word. And as we just read how you created man, that we have been created by you. You are our creator, and you have made us for yourself. You made us 
for you. you. You didn't make us for the world, but you made the world for us and us for you. And Father, as we look into your word today, help us to understand and <laughs> Father, forgive me my shortcomings and use me as an instrument for the Holy Spirit to bring your truth. Transform our lives and we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, again, today we come to the, to the mountaintop of creation, God's masterpiece of masterpieces, the highest point of creation at the end of this sixth day. And last week, they, he kind of walked us through everything that we looked at in Genesis chapter 1 and all this amazing work that he, that he created. And as we looked at everything that God has created, and remember, He created it out of nothing. Think about that. God created everything in those six days out of nothing. And really, when we look at all the, the wonderful, amazing things that God has created, everything so far has been created, has been leading up to this point, what we'll look at today. Everything that God has created in these first these first five and a half days is really the stage where human history is going to take place. And it's a very important stage because it's on this stage which God will, will set His glory on display. That God's going to create man, and then man would be at the epicenter of what God would do. And when we think about all, all that, that, that the creation has gone on already, it really causes us to shake our heads And when we think about the vastness of something like space, just the enormous size of the universe. It's so big our minds can't even comprehend it. And yet in this enormous vastness of the universe, there sits our little planet, the little planet Earth. But it's a, on our little planet Earth where God will be focused on. Because it's on this little planet that God will... Will in, this, in this vast universe that God will carry out the drama of redemption. And it's this little planet, though it's small, that shows, God beautiful, that shows God's beautiful creative power. It has His fingerprints all over it. But even with all of its mountains, its oceans, its forests, its rivers, they're all just the setting. They're like the props. They're like a set on a stage for something more amazing for what God is going to do in mankind. And it's in mankind that God will really set His glory on display. Because it's through the human race that God will send His only Son to be born of a virgin who would live a perfect sinless life, who would then die on a cross, be raised from the dead, and would be ascended back to heaven. Because it will be in the human race that God will send His Son to accomplish the work of reconciliation, redemption, and salvation. And so as we come to these verses here in Genesis chapter 1, we're at, the, we're at the pinnacle, we're at the greatest, highest point of all creation. And the reason it is, is because out of all the universe, man is the main object. Well, why? Because God has created man unlike anything else in all creation. You can ask the question, how? Because God has created man so that we may know Him and love Him, and that man may worship Him and carry out all of His purposes on this earth. So as we look at these verses, they'll help us in understanding who we are. Because we can't understand who we are without understanding these verses. 
Again, everything up to now in Genesis chapter 1 has been like setting the stage. Like in a play. They set the stage. They put things where they need to be and then the props and the furniture and everything is ready for the players to come out and begin the play. So as we look at these verses this morning, we'll see three truths. First, in verse 26, we'll see God's plan. God's plan. Second, in verse 27, we'll see God's process. God's process. And third, in verse 28, we'll see God's pronouncement. God's pronouncement. So we'll see God's plan, His process, and His pronouncement. So let's dive in to God's holy word. First, verse 26, we see God's plan. Verse 26, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness, so that they will have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And notice verse 26 begins with, Then God said. And we see this word then, it's a time word. It shows us that, that, this is, that God is going to now create man. And so what this shows us is that there's not going to be an evolution of millions and billions of years. No, this is showing us that on this sixth day, creation is really coming one right after another. That God is creating everything in six 24-hour days in one week. And here we are in the second half of the sixth day. And it says, then, so right after verse 25, then God said, and when God speaks, when God speaks, it, it comes with sovereign commanding power. And up to this time, we see that God had just spoken and it, and it came to be. He just speaks and it happens. All throughout chapter 1 here, God has said, let there be light and there was. He says, let there be. Look at verse 3. He says, let there be light. In verse 6, He says, let there be an expanse. In verse 9, He says, let the waters. In verse 11, He says, let the earth sprout. And there was. He just speaks it and it happens. But notice here in verse 26, for the first time, we see, then God said, let us make man in our image. And what this shows us is there's a change here. God is now going to, He's now going to be much more personal with man. So instead of just an impersonal way of saying it, and the universe appears, instead of just saying it and all the stars and planets appear, now it's time to create man. And it says here, let us make man in our own image. God is now going to become personally and intimately involved in this creation. This is a major change. But when God says, let us make man in our image, who is the us that he's talking to? There's only one God, but we see the word us. So is it the angels? Who's he talking to? Well, what we're really seeing here is the first hint of the Trinity. The first hint of the doctrine of the Trinity. And the Trinity is the bedrock of Christianity. The Trinity is what separates us from all the false religions and false cults. Christianity believes that there is one God who exists in three persons. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So there's not three gods, but one God in three persons who are all co-equal in their essence, attributes, mind, substance, and mission. They're co-equal and none of them will have ever been created or brought into existence. And so here in verse 26 we have God speaking, let us make man in our image. 
And as we study the Bible, we find that there's something that they taught us in seminary. It's called progressive revelation. And what that means is that there's a truth that first is introduced in the beginning of the chapters of the Old Testament. But there's going to be a greater and more fuller revealing of that truth as the Bible goes on. And so here in chapter 1 of Genesis, we get a little glimpse of what God is like. We, he gives us just a little peek of the Godhead, of the Trinity. And the us here is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, who, all, who are all in perfect agreement in what they do. And they all have one will, one purpose, and one design. And they're in perfect communion with each other. And they're all going in the same direction. And so together they make man in their own image. And really when we read Genesis chapter 1, we can see the Holy Spirit mentioned in verse 2. In verse 2 of chapter 1, it says, And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. And in the New Testament, in Colossians chapter 1, in verse 16, we see that our Lord Jesus was there also. In Colossians 1.16 it says, For in Him, that's Jesus Christ, all things were created, both in the heavens and the, on the earth, invisible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through Him and for Him. And so here the Trinity is talking, let us make man in our image. And this word image, it comes from the root word, which means something that is carved. So it has the idea of like carving a statue. It would be like an artist who can carve a statue out of something like a, mar like a big piece of marble. You would have the real person who would be the model, the standard, and then the sculptor would sculpt out of that marble the image of that person and the likeness of that person in marble. It would just look like the original object, and that's the meaning of the word here. And notice that it's God Himself that's the standard, the object. And so as God now creates man, as He carves man, He's doing it according to His own image. So how amazing is this? That of all creation, of all the stars and all the planets and the earth and the oceans and the trees and the mountains, the birds and the fish and the animals, only man is created in the image of God. And this word here for man, Adam, is sometimes referred to as man, but it can also as opposed to woman, but it can also be referring to both man and woman. And this is what it's referring to here. So how can we be so sure? Because we're going to see the word they coming up here in verse 26. So here when, God, when the Godhead says, let us make man, it's mankind. We see this in verse 27. Because it says, and God created man in his own image, in the image of God he created him, male and female he created them. Humankind, God will create man and woman. Humankind, both are created in his likeness and image. But God will create the man first. And in verse 26, it goes on. It says, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. So it repeats it again for us in case we missed it. According to our likeness. And the word likeness means pattern or shape or form. And so what this tells us is God has made mankind to be a lot like Him. Again, we didn't evolve from other lower life forms. No, we were created directly by God to represent Him on the earth and have dominion over every other creation in His name. How do we know this? Well, look at the rest of verse 26. 
It says, so that they will have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the sky, over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over all the, every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God has placed man over his creation. Again, God hasn't made man for the earth, but has made the earth for man. David wrote in Psalm 8, in verse 6, in Psalm 8, 6, David wrote this, You make him, that's man, to rule over the works of your hands. You put all things under his feet. And so God says here in verse 26, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. But really, what does it mean that man is made in the likeness and image of God? So does that mean we're all little gods with a small g? Well, no, we're not little gods, small g. So what then? Well, I learned this from from Steve Lawson. I heard him do a sermon on this. And what this means is, they're all four words that begin with the letter R. So what does it mean when all of us here this morning are made in the image of God? Well, to be made in the image of God, in the likeness of God, we have the first R, relationship. Relationship. That God has made us with the capacity to have a relationship with Him and with others. And really what this is, is it's a reflection of the Trinity. Because within the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, they're in a perfect, loving relationship and always have been. And this relationship is a closeness and a loving, eternal bond. And as we're made in the image of God, so we have been made to know God and to love God. And we have this ability to love God in ways that the rest of creation has no way of understanding. God made us for Himself. Again, God didn't make us for the world. He made the world for us, and He made us for Him. And so to be made in the image of God means first that we are are made to have a relationship, a personal, intimate, loving, close relationship with God. We are made to walk and adore God. And the second R is rationality. Rationality. So to be made in the image and likeness of God means that, that we can reason, we can think critically and logically which the rest of creation can't do. We can compare things. We can, we can look at evidence and make conclusions. We have the capacity for creativity. We can invent stuff. We can have skills in language and mathematics. We were made in the image and likeness of God whose wisdom is fo- so far above and beyond ours. It's off the scale. But still, God gave us a millimeter, a millimeter in which to ration things out. Rationality. And now the third R is righteousness. Righteousness. So to be made in the image of God means to, that we're a moral being. God has given us a conscience. So we have the capacity to know right from wrong. We can know good from evil. God has placed this conscience deep inside us. It's like having an alarm system or a or a compass that gives mankind the capacity to distinguish righteousness and unrighteousness. And God is holy and righteous, and we're made in His image. So because of this, we're, we're to make moral choices that glorify Him. We're made in the image and likeness of God, which means He has given us relationship, rationality, and righteousness. And now the fourth R is rule. Rule. God is a sovereign over heaven and earth. And his, his sovereign, He's the sovereign ruler over the entire universe. And I heard R.C. Sproul say this 
that there isn't even one tiny speck of a molecule in the entire universe that's a maverick because everything exists to obey the decree of Almighty God. Nothing happens without God being aware or in control. So God is not only the creator, but He's the overseer, the administrator, the ruler over every millimeter of everything there is. And so God has made us in His image and likeness, and so He's given us stewardship to rule and manage over His creation. And all these should show us just how special and how unique it is to be made in the image and likeness of God. God had a special plan for man because man will will be created different from everything else. And because of this, He gave man the authority over all other forms that He created. God put us in dominion over all forms of life. And all this should help us to answer the question is, question of why are we here and what is our purpose? Because the answer starts with we are made in the image of God. But the reason it gets cloudy is as you go on in the book of Genesis, you'll see what happens when sin enters in. And it really clouds this image and likeness. Because now this image has been subjected and has been polluted of sin. But the image of God still remains. And really, our salvation is the restoring of that image of God. Our sanctification is restoring the image and likeness of God. That's in us. Our salvation restores that so we can hope to be like God in in right relationships and living a right and holy life and and ruling over whatever little part of this world He he, he gives us. So God's plan, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. And this is why human life is so precious. This is why murder is a blatant and wicked thing. Because it's an assault on the image of God. That's why we need to have the death penalty to come on anyone who would take a human life that's premeditated and intentional. Because murder is really a slap at God by taking another life. This is why we have Genesis chapter 9 and verse 6. In Genesis 9, 6, it says, Whoever sheds man's blood... By man, his blood shall be shed, for in the image of God, he made man. And this was put there to protect society, to protect and preserve human life, which is made in the image of God. This is why why we can go hunting and fishing. (laughs) These are not made in the image of God. They were made for man. But man is made uniquely in the likeness and image of God. But this doesn't mean we can hunt and fish and kill all the animals we like. Because we need to take care of God's creation, so we hunt and fish with respect for God's creation. But man was uniquely made. And also, this is why the horrible process of abortion is a blasphemy against God. Again, it's taking a human life that is made in the image and likeness of God. Life begins at conception, and God is the giver of life. So if there's life, then it's God who gave it. And so to take that life, especially in the mother's womb, it's like shaking a fist at the holy God who created that life. We're all made in the image of God, all of mankind, all of humanity. Everyone has been created by God in His likeness and image. It doesn't matter what culture we come from or what skin color we have, we're all created in the image of God. And really, there's only one race, the human race. We all come from the same Creator. So to hate someone for having a different skin color is also a wicked thing. We come from the same race, the human race. 
So first, God's plan. And now, second, in verse 27, we'll see God's process. God's process. So here in verse 27, we'll see the process of how God will carry out His plan. How will He get mankind to carry out His plan? Verse 27, And God created man in His own image. So we see the same thing that was said in verse 26. In the image of God, He created him male and female. He created them. So verse 26, the Godhead said, let us make man in our image. And now here in verse 27, they did. In verse 27, we see God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit carry out this plan from the will of their heart. And look at how many times here in verse 27, we see the word created. Created. We see this word three times in this little verse. So do you think God wants us to understand that man didn't evolve from lower life forms? You know, one of Satan's biggest lies ever told is the lie of evolution. Because it's God who created man on this fifth day. And really, what an amazing creation we humans are. Everything about us, from how our eyes work, to how our ears work, to how our wrists move, everything about the creation of man is so amazing. There's no way this could have just happened or just evolved out of nothing. No, it was God who created directly immediately, wisely, and amazingly man. Really, all I have to do is study and just, or just take a closer look at the human body. What amazing creation it is. So there has to be a master artist, a master creator. There is such a wonderful design and construction to human life from, from our hearts pumping blood and our brains controlling so many functions all at the same time. And it's God with His unlimited genius with His unlimited wisdom that masterminded it all. And also, every single person created by God is unique, one of a kind. No one will ever have quite the same temperament or personality as you do. God creates all of us as one of a kind. And it says, And God created man in His own image. In the image of God, He created him male and female. He created them. Again, verse 27, repeating what was said in verse 26, just in case... Someone tries to come up with any other idea of how man was created. Just in case anyone wants to say man evolved from a monkey. And notice in the image of God, He created him. Male and female, He created them. God first created the man and then later will create the woman. But both are works of His hands and wonderfully made. So both man and woman are alike but different. So we have one human race, but two genders who are e equally share the image of God. We have, we have the man created in the image of God and the female created in the image of God. And really the difference will be functional. Functional difference to populate the earth. You know, when we, when we look at our world today, we see this huge controversy over gender and gender roles. But as we look at God's Word, this, this controversy is totally cleared up. As we can see, when God creates a male, He's supposed to be a male. And God the Creator made a female to be a female. And our gender is fixed, it's set at the moment of conception. Our gender is not set by our preferences or, or what a three-year-old feels. And if we, if, we, if we try in any way to turn away from how God made a person a male or a female, it's really a rebellion against God. And really, this is the kind of thinking that, that comes from a reprobate mind. 
a debased mind, a worthless mind, right out of Romans 1.28. This is what we're seeing happening today. So whatever gender we're born with, this is what God has done. And this will be someone's gender for all of eternity. So no matter how many medical operations someone goes through, a male will be a male the rest of his life, all through eternity. And a female will be a female the rest of her life, all through eternity, whether it's heaven or hell. Because that's the gender they were conceived with. And is that what, that's what they will be. Because that's what God made them. And also when we look at the world today, we see this confusion over marriage. Marriage, just, just how is this supposed to work? Well, again, when we look at God's Word, we, we see in the beginning, God made one male and one female. Genesis chapter 2, 22 through 25. And they are to come together and become one. And so again, if there's any distortion on this, like one male and another male, or one female and another female united together, that's not the way God designed it. So we can see here in Genesis that God created a male and will shortly create a female and they're to become one in marriage and anything that goes against this is rebellion against God. We could ask why. Because God's the one who initiated marriage. Marriage is not a man-made institution. It's a God-made union. And before we move on to verse 28, we need to be reminded that this is God's holy word and it tells us that God created man. And, and the man was Adam. And he was a real person. And that everything we looked at here is real history. It isn't just a story or, or, or some made-up thing. It, it is real history. Adam was real, and he committed a real sin against a real God, which put the real world into a real con- condemnation under a real curse. And so all this in Genesis isn't just, like I said, allegory or a fable. No, this is what really happened. This is God's Word, and God said what He meant and meant what He said. There was a real man, a first man, and his name was Adam. And this is why Genesis is so important, because this tells us the where and the what and the why of the nature of man. We know Adam was a real person because our Lord Jesus talked about him in Matthew chapter 19. He talked about Adam as though he was a real person. Because he was. And so if we're to deny a real Adam, it's like denying a real Jesus. Again, these verses here are very important. Because the rest of the Bible sits on these verses. And these verses are the foundation for the rest of the Bible. So first, in verse 26, we looked at God's plan. That God the Father, and God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit said, let us make man in our image and our likeness. And that doesn't mean we're all little gods running around. No, it means that we were created. We didn't evolve from lower life forms. And that we are like God and that we can have relationships. That we were made to have a personal, intimate relationship with God. And the rest of creation can't do. We were made in the image and likeness of God, so we have a rationality. We can reason. We can think critically and logically, which the rest of creation can't do. We're made in the image of God, so we have righteousness. We can know right from wrong and good and evil. And we're made in the image of God and likeness of God, so we are to rule. He has given us stewardship to rule and manage over His creation. And then second in verse 27, we looked at God's process. God created man and then woman to carry out this plan. He created two genders, male and female, and marriage, and the two should become one. 
And that Adam was a real person. And he really sinned. And threw the world into condemnation. And a curse. Which sets the stage for the rest of the Bible. And for God to bring us a Redeemer. And now third. In verse 28. We'll see God's pronouncement. God's pronouncement. Verse 28 begins, And God blessed them. Notice the plural. So God blessed the male, and God blessed the female. So there's no difference in how God blesses. God blesses both genders equally and fully. The word blessed is from the Hebrew root word, which means to bend down. So it has the meaning here, it's like to bend down to give help or support. So we have God bending down to bless the the, the apex of His creation, the masterpiece. And how God helps and supports them is He puts them in a perfect world. He puts them in paradise with peace and prosperity. He gives them authority over the earth and He gives them joy and happiness. God bless them and God is a good God. As we look at the rest of verse 28, notice two truths here about this blessing. First, notice the blessing of procreation. It goes on, God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And so this, this blessing would be children and the relationship and love, everything that comes from the family unit. Really, all we have to do is think about our lives and, and think about what if, what if there, there wasn't families or spouses or children? How lonely would life be if we were all alone? So it's the goodness of God that institute the family unit and it's the goodness of God that blesses couples with children. So God says multiply, fill the earth. And this word multiply means numerous, many. And the second blessing here in verse 28 is the work. So God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So we see here, The job mankind was to do. Mankind was given the job of representing God in this world and to be His caretakers. So this shows us that work really is a blessing. It's not supposed to be drudgery. No, work is a blessing. We're to to accomplish something. God has given mankind the blessing of work so that that there would be the satisfaction of of taking on a job and, and carrying it through, getting it finished to accomplish something. And we do it for the glory of God. So what we see here in these two blessings are God is blessing humankind with the ability to be fruitful and to rule. In the proclamation and and in procreation, humankind will have the divine work of creating human life and then passing on the divine image. And in ruling, they, they will serve as God's vice regents on earth. And together, the human race collectively has the responsibility of of, of seeing to the welfare of the earth and taking care of God's creation. And so the creation of man and woman, the final masterpiece of creation. And if we look quickly down at verse 31, it reminds us in verse 31, and God saw all that he had made and behold, it was very good. Notice the very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. So in case we forgot, this was all done in one day. The sixth day. On the sixth day, God created His final masterpiece. And out of all the galaxies, out of all the planets, it's only on this little tiny planet Earth where the total focus of the Almighty God was 
And this is where God places man in the center of that masterpiece. So it's a masterpiece on a masterpiece. And this tiny little planet is now where man and woman will start a series of events that will begin human history and redemption. So we have God's plan. He created man in an image and likeness of him. God's process, he made man first, but will, but will create woman to be a helpmate and carry out his plan. God's pronouncement. He blesses man and woman. And he gave them a job of filling the earth and caring for it and using it for their welfare. And so as we conclude, as we, as we wrap this up, what does this mean for us today? Well, the world is struggling to understand who they are and, and why they're here. And this is why we're so thankful for God's Word, and especially the book of Genesis, because here, here we know where we came from and who owns us and how, how He has designed us and, and what He wants from us and what He's done to rescue us from our sins so that we might embrace Him and know Him and make Him known. And it all starts with each one of us here are made in the image of God. But what we see is this image has been clouded by sin in our lives. But it doesn't change the fact that we're made in the image of God. And this means we have a mind. We can know God. And not just to know God, but, but, but to know Him intimately. To know Him in a personal, intimate relationship. We are made with a mind to know Him like this. And also to know the truth. And this is the best of all, to know the truth, to know His Son, Jesus Christ. And again, not just to know about Jesus Christ, but to really know Him. We were made with a heart not to, not to love this world, nor this world system, but to love God. This doesn't mean we, we still can't enjoy the things that God has made, but our heart really belongs to the One who made us. So really, we have to answer the question. Will we live in a relationship with God? Will we live in fellowship with God? Or would we rather live our life our own way? Go by our own rules? Live on our own terms? Or will we pursue the One who made us? Will we seek God with all of our heart? In the book of Jeremiah in chapter 9 and verses 23 and 24, it really gives us a great summary of of when our life has come to an end, what's going to be the most joy that we'll have? Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24 says this, Thus says Yahweh, Let not a wise man boast in his wisdom, and let not a mighty man boast in his might. Let not a rich man boast in his riches, but let him who boasts boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am Yahweh who shows loving kindness, justice, and righteousness on earth. For I delight in these things, declares Yahweh. Of all the things we could do in this life and on this earth, nothing can come close to what Jeremiah just, said, just wrote. That we know God in a personal, intimate way. That we treasure this knowledge and that we are in fellowship. It's above everything we could ever do. And there's only one way to know God like this, and that's through His Son, Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ, who was born of a virgin, who lived the perfect sinless life. The Lord Jesus, who went to the cross, who bore the sins of His people. 
the Lord Jesus who was raised from the dead, who ascended back to the right hand of God the Father, the Lord Jesus who has all authority over heaven and hell and the earth, the Lord Jesus who has been the judge, who will be the judge on the last day and will determine every man and every woman's destiny on the last day. And it's this Lord Jesus who we must believe in and trust with all of our heart. It's this Lord Jesus who we must follow with every step we take. And to do this, we must die to self and repent and live for Christ. Every one of us has to make this decision. Who will we follow? If we want fellowship with God, we must go through His Son, Jesus Christ. And we can ask the question, how can we be so sure that this is the only way? Well, our Lord Jesus said it Himself in the Gospel of John. In John chapter 14 and verse 6. In John 14, 6, Jesus It says this, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So what will you do? What will you do? We're made in the image and likeness of God. If we live any other way than living for Him, it's really we're wasting our life. An intimate fellowship with God is what we're made for. And it's found only through Jesus Christ. The creation of man. God's masterpiece. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, just by looking at these verses here in Genesis, it shows us your greatness. And we thank you for showing us how the human race began and how we've all been made in your image and likeness. Help us to to live for that Father, that higher calling and a a life worthy of you. And Father, we pray all this in, in Jesus' holy name. Amen.